Hello, and welcome to episode 154 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are Spirit and Rabin. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I'm being a delinquent and linking people pictures of Weta from New Zealand because they're giant creepy bugs, and I'm ready to actually start the show now. So hi, Guild Wars things. Yes, Guild Wars, all the things. Hey, it's sort of related because Karka. Um, and Rabin, you haven't been on the show in a couple weeks or whatever. How's it going? Going pretty well. Always glad to be here. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty fun post patch discussion episode. I feel like so. Um, wow, that is a really big creepy bug. I told you. Wow. Yeah, um, I'm gonna put that in the show notes. Be warned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, after last week, uh, we had that whole big patch that we were talking about, and exciting things have happened. So. Who wants to lead off with a uh, point of discussion? Okay. I guess I will. Lion's uh, Arch. <laughs> Lion's uh, Arch is new and improved. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It's funny. It feels so big. <laughs> like, it's the same size. Yeah. No, but... I agree with that. It's a lot less less cluttered, and it, there's a lot more open space now. It's a yeah. little bit too theme, park, theme park-y, in my opinion, but I, I like it. Yeah, it's very different. Um... I think I really enjoy how they've incorporated the nautical theme into a lot of the sculptures rather than being built out of literal pirate ships. Uh, from the Pacific Northwest, we kind of have that type of architecture around here for adornments in, you know, if you've ever been to SeaTac Airport or anything like that, we have, you know, like railings that have salmon runs carved into them and stuff like that. And so I... I really appreciated seeing some of those types of things. I thought that was a really fun way to sort of give it uh, a different vibe, but still acknowledging the fact that it's a coastal town. But uh, it's very different. I mean, it's very, it's a completely different place. It is, and I'm weirded out by all the duplicates. There's like two or three of a Nash Blades, and there's a couple other characters that are duplicates. Like, we have imposters running around. I don't know that that's true. There's a... There may be two Evan Nash blades, and I haven't actually seen the other one, but there's also a quote-unquote Evan Nash blade who pretends to be Evan Nash blade to get drinks. That's He's awesome. hiding under that. the uh, bridge, right? Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. Somebody should make a character named the real Evan Nash blade and just make him look as much like <laughs> Evan as they them. can. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I... I have you guys discovered any cool little things? Like I'd never, I hadn't even heard of that. There's so much to discover. Have you guys found anything sort of neat or unique that's a little bit off the beaten path or like a weird little event or anything? I really like the underground uh, bar that you have to get in to find some of the carcas. Um, I didn't, wouldn't ever have found that if it wasn't for the carca hunt. I thought that was really yeah. cool. No, did you that was a really. Did you Go both ahead. do that, the carca hunt? Because yes. I, yeah. I haven't gotten around to it yet. It is no, it's really nice to have a Dragonite down. ore, and it's a lot of fun. Go ahead, Spirit. Yeah, well, the Dragonite ore is, was the original motivator for doing it, but it's hands down uh, the best scavenger hunt that they've done so far for a number of reasons. Um, not only is it permanent and fairly reasonable in the, the, the way they expect you to carry it out, um, but it's got, when you actually click on the achievement, it brings up a, like a collection-type panel, and it gives hints to where each of the carca is. So 
each one has an identified spot and if you're missing one you can compare with someone else and go oh we're missing the fourth one let's go look for that one and it's much much easier to keep track of which ones you're looking for and when you're actually out in the world looking for them there's audio cues um, that's been highly compared to uh, the golden skulltulas from Ocarina of Time where they're up yes. on a wall somewhere and you can hear them scritching and that's how you know to look for them and the the positional audio is really really good and it's not just it's not going to be there all the time so if you if you don't want to you know scavenger hunt's not your thing you don't have dragonite ore coming out of your ears you never want to bother with it you'll never hear them you'll only ever hear them if you have the gun picked up that's nice that you only hear them with the gun picked up too yeah I actually didn't know that. I didn't even know that they made a noise because I have to confess I usually play without the in-game audio turned on because I'm really tired of hearing my character shout the same things. Um, but I found out that they did, and I thought that was really neat. And then I, but I was worried that you know it would get annoying hearing those kind of loud and obnoxious scritching sounds. So that's actually really cool that they keyed it off to that because that's. I mean, like you said, it's it's great if you don't want to deal with it, and it's also really great from like a design scavenger hunty perspective. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Oh well Evie appears. Because he's not sick anymore for some reason. Da -da -da -da. Did uh... <laughs> uh um so how are you doing this evening, Evie? If you had asked me that like five minutes ago I would have said absolutely horrible, but now I'm fine. Okay. I, I guess coffee just fixes everything. I mean, oh, how about on. those karka, Evie? Dude, which karka? <laughs> the one that you have to find in the scavenger hunt. I like the way they did the sound for sure, because that is just goodness and everything. I also like that it's throughout the entire city instead of like one specific area. I think they could have handled the rifle thing a little bit better by like making it an inventory item that you can just use and like go as you please. But right, because you sorry you you drop it if you die, and also if you're you can go in the water and any other class except engineer for some reason will drop it just as a pro tip if you're wondering why it keeps disappearing. Well, oh, that's weird. The engineer thing has been confirmed to be a bug, and it's right, tied but... to like some trait or something. I don't know. Yeah, it still would, exists. So I would imagine it's something to do with why. your kits, mm -hmm. like probably just some base coding for them, since they have kits coming out of every caboodle. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, yeah, did you uh, did you explore around uh, Lion's Arch much, Evie, other than the scavenger hunt? That's pretty much all I've been doing in game. I'm not gonna lie, it's just finding places to jump on top of. Yeah, that's almost a whole separate topic in its own that I wanted to talk about. Did uh did all all three of you do the jumping puzzle? Yes. Oh good. It's so good. I started it, but I haven't completed it yet. And I hear there's something about keys keys I'm sorry, keys in it, but I don't really know what that business is all about. Uh, there's just keys along the way, like there's sort of sub chests that you get, and mm -hmm. once you get all four of them then you just combine them into one key to open the last the the chest at the end. Um, kind yeah, of so like, it's a little bit like the one in Melkor's Leap where you've got to get the orbs. Uh, it's more like just the one in World v. World in the Borderlands where you have to like go different... I mean, in that one you have to go basically left and then right and go through each of their paths and then you get a sub-chest and then at the end mm -hmm. it lets you in. But um, 
in this one is just in a row it's it's literally uh. just like the first chest the second chest that you know like they're they're on your path you basically it's it's pretty hard to miss them while you're going if you're going the right way so and it's very understandable that they did that because it is possible to jump into the jumping puzzle like pretty far in yeah, so have it, you fa- have you found places to do that? Because I fell I, off several times, and I was looking for a way to sort of cheat myself back in without using a mesmer, and I hadn't found one yet. The one I know is between the second and third key. Okay. Okay. And you have to have a mini pet and do the log out trick. Oh, okay. So it's more like not exactly an exploit, but not a normal actual jumping process. However, however, that's the easy way to get in. You can still get in without doing the whole log out trick. It's just a little bit more finicky. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall I really liked it. It takes after the, the Silver Waste style of jumping puzzle, where you basically traverse the entire zone in the process of it. Um, interesting to note that there is no checkpoint system like there was in the Silver Waste one, which was kind of a little bit sad. But there are several safeguards put in place on some of the more trickier finagly jumps. Yeah, that's definitely true. Not that it is impossible for you to completely fall off of it, but there are some safeguards. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. It's the safeguards are a really nice touch. Um, They I definitely fell off in a few places, and I when I finally completed it, I had fallen off in a place that I didn't even realize you could fall through. Um. Which is the place right above the market where you sort of get into that alcove and then have to sort of jump up behind yourself onto the shelf. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? What? No, like right after you have to jump over the birds. Birds. I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, uh, maybe you guys went a completely different way than I did. Um... (laughs) Which is also another thing because I've found that like everyone... I've met that like figured out the puzzle on their own has their own way of doing it. Yeah, I've definitely seen even just along the main course that I took like, several very different but equally valid routes, which is awesome. Um, I'll have to show you guys then where where this is because there's this part where you're I think you're above where the crafting corner area used to be, and it's sort of like a little marketplace below you. And you're on these like ropes that are above oh. it, and there's birds on the ropes. And if you run into them, they knock you back. So you have to jump I, over them. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't go that way at all. Instead of going down that hole, I go up above the rocks. Ah, uh, okay. All right. I heard that you could do that, but I didn't. I didn't know it's, how easy it was to do that. It's kind of tricky to do it. You got to do some jumping sorcery to get on top of everything but it it works and it's a lot faster if you know the way yeah yeah that uh (laughs) those those freaking pigeons were uh awful um no actually they weren't that awful but in in there there's a place that looks like it's just one of those places that you can't you actually can't fall off of because of um you know like there's gaps but you're not supposed to be able to fall through them and i found one that i could fall through and i was (laughs) really salty about it um but yeah, a really, really cool jumping puzzle and really frustrating, but really fun and a lot more fun if you are a mesmer or have a mesmer with you because restarting that thing from scratch is um, long. Though I have to admit, it's especially fun on a Norn because I love hitting my head on just 
roofs and poles and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, putting yeah. some of that new putting some of that new camera um I don't remember the words they used for it, but the the camera collision sensitivity. Yeah, collision sensitivity to work and first I, person camera. I have not touched that collision sensitivity since the update. After this jumping puzzle, I put that slider all the way to the right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like nope. Yeah, it's um <laughs> yeah. It's it's sure a thing. Um anyway, jumping puzzle, I think it gets a big thumbs up from pretty much everybody other than the few random frustrating parts, but most people know Mesmers or play them, so yeah, and sort of related to the collision sensitivity, I did like um, being able to use first person, which has been you know a couple of da- updates back for the Karka thing. Oh, that was really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, um, yeah, it was really nice. Like on those cliff sides where you're on those tight ropes, or the one that's like inside a wall in the whatever that jumping puzzle is that's hard to get into right now because things are back. Sharkma. Sharkma. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't. I haven't yeah, been back you, to Sharkmaw. If you go in there now, equip a fall damage trait because whatever at launch it had been dangerous, and then they had fixed it, so you were more likely to slide down than die. And whatever they had done has been removed, so you are now very likely to die again as you fall down there. So just equip a fall damage trait and take it slow. Uh, I've I've found a way to get in without dying pretty much every time. You have to like there's this one little ledge that kind of sticks out. Um, all the way over on the right, you're gonna jump on that, and then on a stalagmite, stalactite, whatever, whatever is the one that sticks from the bottom, and then into the water, and then you'll be fine. But it's it's kind of tricky getting everything, and if you don't know about that, and you're just like, oh, it's this jumping puzzle again, and just kind of go for it like you have been for the past three years, then yeah, you will probably die. <laughs> Uh, does anybody else have any other thoughts on the LA rework other than that everybody loves it and loves the scavenger hunt and the jumping puzzle? The music is amazing. Yes, oh, the uh, the music, but also the NPCs that do things that players do in general. Um, you know, one example of that is playing music, which is in a, you know, to not spoil as much as possible because you really should take a look around the new LA if you haven't. Um, there's a couple places where there are NPCs playing bands, but there's also NPCs riding on brooms. There's NPCs that walk up to the Mystic Forge, which is entirely not realistic because they're not crying. Um, <laughs> or screaming. Yeah, well, other I like than the that, Mystic Forge toilet noise. That was pretty clever. Yeah, oh, the Mystic Forge is open now. You can just walk right in, and it'll turn I you into the got thing. under the Mystic Forge. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> on accident. <laughs> Wait, it'll, it'll turn you into what? It'll turn you into the, uh, it's the model that the anomaly is in the Thaumanova fractal. Oh. And you can, if you walk into the middle, it'll spit you out. But if you just hang out on the edge, it just turns you into that model. And then you get all the human emotes and stuff. Unless you're me, then it just blows you into the ground. Oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's really funny. See, my RNG is so bad, the Mystic Forge doesn't even spit me out. It just, like, buries me. You've been flushed. But just think of all the just think of all the stuff that's down there Actually, with you. Uh, I was gonna. I wanted to tell the story on the show because um, last night we had done some. We'd played some games like hide and seek in Lion's Arch with the the Relics of War Guild, um, just to mostly to get my significant 
significant other to explore it because I told him he should, but he wouldn't. So uh, we played some games to have an excuse to get some people to look around. And as we were doing this, um, occasionally we would tag up so we could see people who were seeking and how close they were to us or not. And this one char player had decided to follow our our people around for like 15 minutes or so. And so we were like, ah, oh, there he is, there's that char again, blah, blah, blah. And we wrapped up, and one of the things I had done is I offered to forge weapons for someone in the off chance that I got a precursor, and I said, you know, you can keep whatever comes out. So we all went over to the Mystic Forge, had a dance around, I did not get a precursor, luckily. Because um, I would have been really sad to see that go. <laughs> and then um, we were like, oh, I wonder what happens if you drop four people in. So we all jumped in, and five people popped out, and that char was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he just like <laughs> appeared out of the Mystic Forge again. So uh if you Mystic Forge four guildies, five will pop out. We invited oh. him and he joined the guild. That's awesome. Oh man. Yeah, there's just so much cool stuff going on with this with this makeover. I'm i I'm so I'm so glad to see it back. I mean and and I remember back when they blew it up, I remember that I was doubtful that they were actually gonna keep it blown up despite claims that it was and mm -hmm. i remember saying like i'm sure it'll just come back i mean maybe it'll stay gone for a while but you know whatever it, it'll be back but it's still cool that they blew it up and i am impressed with how long they left it in ruins and then also i mean this this whole redesign is just really really cool it's, so it's so good it's like lion's arch was always supposed to be like this yeah that's a good way like sea world <laughs> I liked I liked some of the reasoning behind the giant sea creatures, and that was that it's a lot easier to point someone to the giant lobster than like a point of interest. I, mean, I do have I to say that. Also, say that's just true. That it should be renamed Lobster's Arch. <laughs> have you guys heard the? That's another thing. The tour guide. Have you followed the tour guide around at all? Yes. I, yeah. She is so annoyed with the lobster thing. It's do really you funny. know where she starts by any chance? Because I haven't managed no, to I don't know the where start she of it yet. Um. I don't want to spoil it too much, but throughout the tour, she has a. There's kind of a story unfolds about how she's very bitter about the architecture of Lion's Arch because maybe she could have uh, been an aspiring architect. Also, yeah, it, I I got saw quite a bit of this from Points of Interest. Even if you don't watch Points of Interest normally, I would highly recommend watching the last one that came out because the one yes. with uh, Ruby and uh, Peter Freeze and Josh Foreman because it was really funny and they were really joking around a lot with each other and giving each other a hard time and also sort of cracking cracking a lot of jokes about just the their general atmosphere and stuff and like stop ruining things for like 10 seconds <laughs> and i'll let you ruin an extra thing at the end of the show that was my favorite part <laughs> i i think my favorite part was when uh <laughs> um they were talking about the the character Mad Eye something or other and that spouts out random conspiracy theories. And Peter Freeze said he's loosely based on our fans. And Ruby goes, his <laughs> theories are loosely based on fan theories. And Peter just goes, I'm not on trial. <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was a really it was a really funny points of interest. I watched it and then i showed it to my wife again and watched it and it, yeah it's i highly recommend watching it even if you don't normally watch it so basically they gave eric an npc but didn't name it correctly that's absolutely <laughs> wow. totally what it is yeah hamster houses 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um yeah, so that uh all the Lions are stuff happened. That's exciting. Um but I guess uh, let's you guys ready to move on and talk about the all of the traits and all of the craziness that's going on mm. with all that stuff? Mm, yeah, I guess. It's oh, there's so much. <laughs> are you uh are you not a muse spirit or is that just a groan because there's so much to talk about? Yeah, it's just yes. I think it's I feel like I'm I've suddenly become a really old person who's like, get off my lawn! Because <laughs> I'm like, every time we talk about, like, oh, isn't this change exciting? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> like, it sounds good, but I don't know how I feel about it. And now that it's hit, and I've had a little bit of time to look at it, I think I, it's, it's okay. I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm annoyed at having to reassemble all of my builds that I've had forever. I actually kind of liked that aspect because if if for no other reason than that you don't have to agonize over how many points you put in each line anymore, you just like look at the lines that are most relevant to you and it's usually pretty obvious for at least two of them and then the third one's usually between one or two straight lines. Like I f- I found it a lot easier to throw a, a build together that was that felt right just because, you know, I didn't have to say like, "Oh, do I want 30 30 10 or 30 20 20 oh god see i'm i'm doing it like a year ago old whatever this yeah <laughs> but you know what i mean it's the same yeah thing. um i i do like that aspect a lot a lot better but i don't like at least currently the you could choose the things at your level or you could go back and choose other traits so the number of traits you had to put in each slot was a lot more conducive I think to the type of builds that I run maybe Mm. not necessarily but when the choice comes you're like okay so I'm to use the example that I I struggled with um, I'm on a guardian I've got berserker armor I want to run a power build Um, so I've got my sword traits in my other line I'm building this stuff and then my options are to take the revive trait the healing power on mace or half falling damage. And so only one oh, of those traits half falling is... damage, come on. <laughs> only one of those traits is even going to mildly affect my bill, and it's not necessarily something I want to do, but if I take either other trait, it's not going to impact the build at all. So it's in theory good, but there are places where I'm like, this isn't necessarily what I useful at all. Yeah. And at least in the old system, I had the option to go, okay, well, I don't want traits at this tier, and none of these are going to help me, so at least I'll go back a tier and grab one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't know. By the and same I, token, you know, though, I understand that. It, sorry, I understand that it's like a lot easier to balance this way, so there are good things about it, but I am frustrated. I was just going to say, by the same... The, the biggest thing for me with regard to that is just that... Um, a lot of traits just got condensed into one trait, so a lot of the time I felt like I was, and this might speak to the types of builds that I was running, but a lot of the time I felt like I was using an entire trait line just to do, like, one thing, and now it's like, oh, that's just a Grandmaster trait, and it's all of those, and <laughs> I like I like that they've done that in some places, at least. Not necessarily all of them. Some of them kind of feel a little bit smushed together for no reason, but... Mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I don't know. How about uh, how about you, Robin? You've been uh, away for longer. What's your what are your impressions, thoughts, 
criticisms. Mm, I like I like the whole system. I think this new system's better than the old system. Um, it is annoying. I understand what you're saying because I would sometimes take two minor traits instead of a major trait. Um, that is one instance where it's definitely like, oh, we used to be able to do this, but we can't. But overall, I like it. Um, I had a little confusion at first, but Spirit helped me. I thought they got rid of uh, shouts removing conditions on the Guardian. I'm like, oh no, where is it? But I was just blind, and she told me. But I know I'm. I like what you said at the beginning, uh, Grybok, but about how having to redo all of your own, uh, all of your characters wasn't so bad. It gave me kind of a refresher on what my builds could do. So I like that. What characters could do with certain builds, I mean. Um, one thing I do want to say, here's a pro tip for you if you are having trouble with the trait lines like I did. Um, open up your hero panel and on the builds page there's three tabs at the top, weapon skills, utility skills, and traits. And the trait tab has all of the traits down the side so you can compare them all to each other without equipping them. Because that was one thing I ran into is I'm like, I'm only looking at three trait lines. I don't know what the other two are doing and whether like that would be better to switch to. So that that view was much more helpful to me generating builds than the actual build page itself. Um, also, quick pro tip um, before we get to Evie's thoughts on all the trait reorganizing. Uh, this is also the patch where you have to now use the training system for your leveling up of attributes and all that. And if you haven't found it yet and you want to max out a line, you can click on the icon at the end of the line for training and then it'll put a little icon on the circle and you can double click that and it'll train all the way up to it. Um, which saves you from ramming on train, 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 train. That is nice. I figured that one out a little late. But anyway, so Evie, what are you? What are your thoughts on on all the trait shenanigans? Well, the first thing I did after the patch was make builds for all of my eighties because I am absolutely in love with this new system, and the only grip I have is for some professions it's, a, it's basically the same one as uh, spirit there's certain spots with certain trait lines that kind of are lackluster for uh, like they kind of touted this whole idea that every trait line like the top traits would do one thing the middle would do another and then the bottom would do another but there are some trait lines where that's not really true at certain tiers Example, Guardian, Honor, Miners. There isn't a real DPS trait there, or even a CC trait there. They're all very supporty. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I get the point of Honor. It's supposed to be more for support, whatever, or tankiness, depending. But, like... Honor is such a big part of a hammer build from Guardian, and like that first spot is just so useless if you use a hammer. So it's just like, oh hey, free. Well, you know, in the sense, I think Guardians can do everything anyway, so they really need to be optimal on every trait. Guardians are in a good place right now. They they are. I guess. I guess. As a slight, not really a counterpoint, but a different way of looking at it is like, uh, from my perspective, you're no longer wasting points in a line to get to higher tier ones, like you said. Like uh, that, 
that trait line is mm-hmm. ex- incredibly important for hammer guardians and before it was almost like you know if if you had to get to the master grandmaster tier you're like uh i'm like wasting points just to get this one trait but i'm really wasting a trait uh i mean where now i guess i personally it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much when there's a trait that i'm not super excited about because it's not i'm not i I don't feel like i'm wasting points i mean really ultimately it's kind of the same thing but um yeah i don't know i i I guess there's only going to be so much you can really do you know with with Mm -hmm. the trait system so i think it's Mm -hmm. overall pretty big improvement yeah no i i'm definitely in agreement i'm just uh suddenly old and curmudgeonly and they made it fit really well because I've noticed that with only one exception, pretty much all of my tunes, like I had a build in my head, obviously power based, blah 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 blah, and I, it was pretty clear that these are the three specializations I wanted to use. the The one exception is mesmer, of course, <laughs> and I've just found that if I'm in a group. I take inspiration. If I'm soloing, I take dueling. And that's it. Maybe that will be settled when uh, Chronomancer comes out. And I'll just be like, I'm not taking either one of those two because Chronomancer. (laughs) Yeah. Because I have a feeling that the Chronomancer phantasms are going to be very good. Yeah, I also have that feeling. Um... I also wanted to make a note that I really... It hasn't super made an impact uh, personally for any builds that I take, but I really like the separation of stats out from trait lines. Because... Oh, God, yes. Yeah. And again, the profession that benefited most from that was Guardian. What? Mm-hmm. How? Because, well, Hammer Guardian, excuse me. Okay. Hammer Guardian is not a profession I play. I am <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> I'm suddenly feeling very naked on my Guardian as she her health pool is not where it used to be because I used to run. Um, oh goodness, uh, Pure of Voice used to be I think in the Vitality lines. I used to have about three thousand more health than I do now, and so I feel um, very squish. But see, to me, that was side, wasted points spent on health. <laughs> well, I ran it for pure voice, and I had a little bit extra health, which was fine because when I when I'm teaching groups, especially, and I do a lot of that in dungeons, I like to have a little bit more support because mm-hmm. sometimes there are just things you can't account for. <laughs> so I liked having that, and now definitely for my you know my established groups that I, you know people I know that are good and we, we run with them a lot, I'm fine, but. For those times when I need a little bit more support, maybe I should grab a soldier set or something. I don't know. I just the the reliance on gear now is real, and I'm feeling it. I think you should grab a nomad set. (laughs) I want to not hit like a wet bus ticket. No, you can kill (laughs) things. I have a nomad set now, and it's fun to uh, I guess troll people in World Two World. (laughs) Or. You could play a necromancer or a mesmer when you want to support people. That's true. I we have a friend and a well a guildmate in relics who plays minion master necro almost exclusively, and he is through the roof excited about the blood magic changes. And honestly, having seen it played in a group afterwards, I'm very, very pleased with 
um, some of the Zatu? stuff he's been able to pull off. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really cool when you're playing PvP and someone can just keep you from bleeding out or just heal you by going A going into or coming story. out of Death Shroud. I think that's what happens. It's really funny, cool. Funny story. I did fractals with him yesterday, and he soloed my train because we all died like stupid people because two people didn't know the fight, and he did that fight from like eighty five percent all the way by himself with life stealing and minions yeah. and it was glorious and we did um a raw with him later on that day and the transfusion trait i hadn't realized um pulls when you use life transfer in death Shroud, it'll pull people in the downstate to you so he would he would flip quick into death Shroud and yank people out of bad and then res them and that that was really cool and really useful in a lot of situations it's still not something I would say, you know what, we're going into this, um, it looks bad, we could really use a necro, that's still not like a thing that I'm going to do, instead I would be like, oh yeah, we need a guardian if we're going into trouble. But it's a great step in getting it there. Uh -huh. And well, there's, there's so many options now, because like, as an example, there's the whole life-stealing thing, vampiric presence or, or uh, whatever it's called. And now Mesmer has the sharing distortion whenever you apply it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I found myself like, oh, hey, that big thing is about to smack down on little Drive. Let me hit this <laughs> signet. Yeah, no, it's good. They, the support options are opening up. May not be on par yet, but definitely approaching it, which is a huge improvement over anything we've seen prior. And also, especially because uh, there are different ways of support than just mm -hmm. the classical Guardian support, which is right. cool. Like, yeah. I, I, I really like the more reactive support that's coming out of the system. Whereas yeah. Guardian has been like, oh, let me put this down before it actually attacks so that when it attacks and does like these arrows... Or Guardian just, just smashes back. their uh, face on the keyboard and you have all the boons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it feels more It feels more calling back to Guild Wars 1 um, like prodding, where you had to be paying attention because they were shorter duration buffs, but they were really strong um, mm -hmm. a lot of the time, which I think is a much... It's a, it's a much more fun and interesting form of support, at least from my perspective. I've never found being a flat healer very fun, but I do find it really fun to, um, you know, be, be watching things and, and making, making whatever call will benefit people, but not just sitting there, you know, spamming heals, which obviously nobody really does in this game, but... And speaking of Reflex, Guardians aren't the king of Reflex anymore anyway. Mesmer's it hurts are. us. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what happened to Guardians? Or nothing? It, it's nothing, like, they didn't get nerfed or anything. It's just with the way traits are now, with Phantasmal Haste and um, Warden's Feedback being available at the same time, and, like, among other things, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You can have 100% uh, reflect uptime as a Mesmer if you time your Phantasms and stuff properly. Ah, and if you I use gotcha. Mimic for your for your uh, feedback. You don't have to do that. Well, that's nice, though. Yeah, it is. Kind of in a related vein, another drawback that I found is now that consecrations are ground-targeted, there's 
an additional delay in between me dropping my wall and being able to get into it because I have to position it. And so not only did I not necessarily always want that trait, but sometimes I specifically did not want it because I wanted my wall to drop right on top of myself, and that's baked in now, and I'm sad. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, it's in theory it's good, but it bums me out a little bit because I didn't necessarily want it, so thanks, Anet. <laughs> like, what am I going to do about it? But you can be sure that if you want, you can put it at absolute max range with fast casting very easily. Yes, actually, we should oh, talk yeah. about that. Great change. So happy. Love it. Did I, I assume you guys all put it on instantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I haven't. So, briefly, just to, to say what this is, they added an option in your options menu that allows you to check a box, and once you do that, your ground-targeted skills, so your reflect wall, your um, scepter AoEs, your staff, whatever, um, it will stop... If you move your mouse out past the max range in which it can cast, it'll stop and move kind of like an arc in front of you um, so that you can't actually cast it out where you couldn't cast it and waste the skill. It's really nice um, for the most part. The disadvantages, instead of the max range is calculated from the middle of the AoE circle, and this locks it at the edge of the AoE circle. So you're actually losing a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of range, but basically half the circle, the radius. There you go. Actually. Um, that's what you lose. Actually. When you move your mouse past, you, like, if you're doing a teleport, this is only in the case of teleports, not for, like, level font or anything, it will still move you to the absolute edge. That's good to know. Yeah, so for teleports, I like I really appreciate this change a whole lot because it that bit of it is really nice. But the I'm a little bit undecided on the AOE. If they just shifted it so that max range was the middle of the circle instead of the edge of it, I would be it would be a hundred percent like perfect. Yeah. like please enable this now, everyone. Just do it. Just or it could so be good. the inside edge because that would be just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I. Yeah, just in general though, I I I just really like how it plays. I it especially if you're doing something really active, it's a lot easier to um like chase. You know, if you're doing like world v world or something, it's a lot easier to be like chasing but maintaining at the maximum range instead of like yeah, I don't know. It's instead of like going a little bit red and then wasting your time trying to retarget it, it's a lot easier to just keep your mouse locked at as far away as it can go. I think the best part about this change. Or, well, new option, it's not really a change, is there will be less thieves camping dagger something and more actually using short bow. Which, Just which because it nice. makes it easier? or Because it makes Infiltrator's Arrow a whole lot easier to use. Yeah. Like, fully effectively. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it as so much of a utility change that I needed because I've gotten pretty good at managing... Um, dropping my OEs and things as it works now, so I wasn't excited about it, but it's cool that it's helping people, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things that's, like, it's pretty small, ultimately, because, like you said, a lot of us are, are pretty used to it, but it's still nice. It, like, every time I notice it, it makes me happy, even though I wasn't like, I wasn't really ever struggling, but it still feels better. Yeah. So, so you is... say it's small. To me, <laughs> this is, like, the best part of the patch. <laughs> Well, there you go. Your mileage may vary. 
Also, I, you know, I mean, it depends on which class you're playing too, because classes with lots of ground targeting things are going to obviously get a lot more mileage out of it than those that are melee or, you know, not doing uh, ground targeted. So, uh, yeah, sounds sounds like uh, EV is right. The condition caps are a little scary uh, <laughs> for everything, which is understandable. I mean, I. I always call it. It's that's just the way it is. People yeah. need to accept it. <laughs> yeah. The the one that I hadn't really thought about. Again, I I guess it was just that I was maybe not exactly underestimating, but just not really fully making all the connections. Was epidemic and uh, parasitic contagion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out that putting 25 stacks of all of the damaging conditions and then healing a bunch of that is um, a large number. Uh, I I mean I think people are getting like several thousand like per tick if well, on like people big gotten, boss fights. Like hasn't there been wooden potatoes posted a 20,000 tick on fire? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Anyway, the new condition damage. But this is but this is, parasitic contagion heals you for a percentage of condition damage you are dealing. And so when you epidemic something that has a a gigantic number of stacks of all of the conditions, that means you are now dealing that much condition damage to everything that got hit by epidemic, which is vastly greater than you could inflict, you know, quote unquote, on your own. Did you see the video of the necromancer soloing a 15, like, person group with that trait? Uh, no, but that, I mean, again, like I said, yeah, when I was saying a couple thousand, that was a couple thousand ticks healing in addition to the damage. Like, that was because of the percentage and how many stacks you could get through Epidemic and other people. And, oh, <laughs> that's, uh... That, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how they're gonna deal with that, because it, I feel like if you discount epidemic and or you discount just in general being able to like move other people's stacks of conditions They'll and they become yours internal cooldown on it yeah maybe maybe the same thing they did with healing prism uh which one was that healing prism is a inspiration third minor where any healing you do to yourself would be applied to allies around you which was really overpowered with a necromancer with vampiric presence. Mm. So they just stuck an internal cooldown on it. Yeah, that makes sense. They also I'm... buffed the healing it did to compensate for having internal cooldown. Which is, I mean, it's still a really nice trait. Yeah. For support. Yeah. I, oh gosh, I just, I feel like I have so many more options now on necromancer with the new traits. Like, just not having to There's take... just so many more options for condition damage in general, though. It's just really nice. Well, really, yeah, but I mean all kinds of Necromancer. Like, not having to put 30 in despite for the condition duration, or rather, it not like not being able to or having to. Um, well, yeah, it, yeah, so many things. So many good things this patch. See, that's... I guess I'm just weird, because, like, every single profession, I, like, look at the trait lines, and I'm just like, okay... This is it. This is what works. These are the three. That's it. With one exception being Mesmer. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't see the options as far as, like... I mean, with Necromancer, like, there's a, there's a lot of different... And... 
like ways that you can do it because if you're running like power versus conditions at the very least is completely different setups and you can definitely run a more defensive oriented build which is going to have different trait layouts like i i feel like necromancer has a lot of different choices if like once you've narrowed it down to like exactly the type of builds you want then yeah there's probably one only right answer but i feel like there's at least there's at least several really viable builds for necromancers at the moment which is awesome i'm hoping that the elite specs give me personally more choices for all of the professions because like i'm not gonna lie Trickery is really nice to have now, like, all the way full on my thief. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, I I have this really amazing, like, 20-second button now. I, I, I kind of want something a bit more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did anybody... So, having on-demand swiftness is quite literally the... So, I censored myself. <laughs> That's good, because I'm not going to. I'm too lazy <laughs> to do that. Um, anybody else have any other passing thoughts on the, anything? <laughs> other than moving on to the next topic? I love the new Guardian Elites. I feel like we've been talking way too much about Guardian, but they did get two new Elites, and the Shout is great. And the Signet could use a little bit of tweaking, because holy crap, being rooted for four and a half seconds is not my jam. But it was still good because it pulled us through a fractal. I don't know. Three minutes of quickness is my jam, but they fixed that. So, eh. anyway, yeah, it's just it's one of the it's still settling in. Like there's, you know, if you said last week it was gonna take a month, and yeah, I'm thinking that's about right on because it's just too new yet. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited to try out Sinister because I think that the condition changes make Sinister a much more viable stat set. The thing is, until everything settles down, we're not really going to see serious theory crafting be done because everything's on flux right now. Yeah. Especially when they've already openly said, like, hey, conditions are probably too strong right now. We're probably going to be looking at it. And by probably, we mean we will. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but even even so, like even if they do nerfs to conditions, the primary the primary reason that the that those mixed condition and power sets were usually not that good was because of the condition cap. Like mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you were competing for stacks with other players in your party or in your just general vicinity just made those, you know, you you weren't doing condition damage like a real condition damage character and you were competing with each other and not both of you got to do your stuff and you weren't doing damage like a real power character either and so even if they tone down conditions i feel like at least stuff like sinister might legitimately find a much better place in in general i mean i think the biggest issue they're gonna see moving forward with conditions is the professions that have access to burning are just inherently better at conditions than everything else right now and if the formulas stay even relatively along the same line that they are, it's going to stay that way. Yeah, I did notice. I think I'm, I'm going to check real quick here, but it. Uh, oh, just kidding. Never mind. Um, 
I thought I misread, uh, or not I thought, I did misread Doomfire, uh, because I thought it changed to just Shroud Skills Inflict One Second, or Inflict Burning, which, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sure you can imagine how many targets you can hit with your Death Shroud Skills, and how many times you can hit them, <laughs> but it is Shroud but Skill One. That would have been the perfect opportunity for them to just set the Reaper Scythe on fire. Well, it but it is it is uh, shroud one, so at least I mean you know at least your scythe will be cleaving large amounts of burning, which is cool. By the way, Anet, you heard me. If you have that trait, your scythe should be on fire. <laughs> uh, Green fire. Uh, did you guys want to talk about some speculators corner stuff? I haven't actually really read what anybody wrote in the show notes. I'm a terrible um, host. A tiny bit. a pretty bit. cool video. Yeah, so the first one, which was originally a speculator's corner and got stumped on by Colin, was that uh, there is a new tab in the PvP window, and people are going, oh my god, builds! And somebody was like... Sorry, I wanted to quote this properly. But basically... You mean the quote wasn't, like, oh my god, builds! <laughs> the... Uh, and a new ArenaNet employee who I, I don't know who that was uh, was like, eh, that should be fixed now. And they were like, what was it? And they were like, eh, UI. And everyone was like, bills! And then Colin said, no, it's not. <laughs> so that got stomped on. So if you were thinking that was builds, I'm sorry. It's still not happening. Uh, but the other cool thing is that Wooden Potatoes actually put out a video just earlier today about a map he found in Tyria 3D, which is a website that uses collision data and to some extent textures in in Guild Wars to actually render Guild Wars maps in a browser. So Wooden Potatoes and that shaman in particular have been using old DAT files to pull out some maps that we haven't ever seen in game and kind of do some speculation about what could have been going on there. And the the really exciting thing that they put out today was um, not to sound sensationalist or anything, but it was Fisher of Woe. It was Fisher of Woe. Like, it, the map lines up. It's flipped, but if you rotated it, it would line up almost exactly with Fisher of Woe. There's very And they had a forge in the center areas. with Balthazar on it. I mean, it was yeah. Fisher of Woe. If you look at the maps, they line up really incredibly well. The the one interesting feature about that, oh, there's a couple of interesting things. The the first one is that it, it lines up with um, the back of Ara and the coastline around the bottom of Or up to the Scavenger's Causeway, which is the bridge in between Alona and Tyria. So it lines up on the physical map, even though we know that Fisher of Woe should be in the mists. And then on top because of that... Because was split up for each of the gods, blah, 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 tinfoil hat, keep going. Yeah. Um, on top of that, there's a, I don't know, giant dragon head that might belong to Zaitan, maybe, in it. It is very reminiscent of older concept art of Zaitan, and it has collision data. So, thinking that it's probably that giant dragon head from the old trailers that we saw that never made it into game. Um, so, yeah, that is out there now and makes for some very cool viewing and speculation around that. Cool. Do you guys have any thoughts or 
I would. I mean, I would love it. <laughs> I would awesome. love it. I would love to see Fisher Woe in uh, Guild Wars Two because Fisher Woe and the uh, other elite area, which I can't remember the name at the moment, Underworld, was they were really cool places and they were fun places to be in. Um, fun to you know farm your survivor title if you want. I think you did that too, Spirit, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that you might call them adventure. challenging group content. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and. It was just cool to have that that feeling. I wonder what Dragonhead was doing in there. I mean, you can speculate all you want. Some people did mention in the YouTube comments for the uh, video that we were talking about that he wonders if it was some sort of, uh, perhaps it was something for the Fractal that we were going to see. Somehow that was going to be the Abaddon Fractal, which would be interesting. You know, maybe Abaddon had something to do with when um, Menzies was attacking Balthazar and Abaddon was still, you know, on the up and up with him and he'll push him out of that realm, but it doesn't explain the dragon head. But, you know, it could be a bunch of different things. It's kind of sad that they scrapped it because it looked really cool. Yeah, actually, that not to pick on anyone in particular, but you reminded me of something. Someone in the comments said something along the and I know I shouldn't be reading the comments, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> someone said something along the lines of, uh, Fisher of Woe and Underworld are what Guild Wars 2 needs and is missing. And I completely dif- disagree. <laughs> like, the, mm-hmm. the ties to Guild Wars 1 are always cool. I always appreciate those. But Fisher of Woe and Underworld specifically are not what Guild Wars 2 needs. It does need challenging group content, I firmly believe. But exact duplicates of things we've done in Guild Wars are absolutely not necessary. The like I said, the nods to them are great, but we've already done that. We've already been there, and we know lore about that. And unless you're going to change that and build on it, or even preferably start a whole new story, that's what I would rather see in Guild Wars Two than yeah, don't port exact it over. Duplicates. But like, tell us what's going on. Maybe the War with Menzies has changed, and the Fisher of War is different. Fisher of War is different than it used to be. Something like that. But you're right. Don't just port it over an exact copy of what it used to be. Yeah, I don't know. I'm... Just not not to pick on anyone like that commenter, anyone in particular. But it just suddenly, like, it hit me today. My the ability to put in words my exact frustration with. Um, people who played Guild Wars 1 and just want Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2 and they're completely different games and I I want Guild Wars 2 to build some lore that it stands upon because I firmly feel that the most interesting lore in Guild Wars 2 so far is stuff that was built on Guild Wars 1 and that's all well and good but I want it to establish its own stuff that we get really excited about like yeah Guild Wars 1 is too but have you played Guild Wars 2 because there was some really cool stuff in there like if you want to do an elite area throwback, I I'm all for it. But at the same time, like this is this is going way back. The same reason why I preferred the Thelma Nova reactor over Abaddon's Fall back when that vote was going on. Thelma Nova reactor was tied directly to Guild Wars Two and its lore, and it was something that we didn't really know everything about. Abaddon's Fall. Sure, it would have been really cool to see, but we basically knew what happened there. So, yeah, um, as far as Fissure of Woe specifically and Underworld by extension, I'd much rather them be like, oh, hey, there's this thing called the Domain of Truth that uh, got cleaned up and stuff, but there's something else going on now because this blah, blah, blah. Why don't we check that out? Because, you yeah. know, Golden Cities. 
Yeah, or like maybe something like if they if they found a way to, um, you know, maybe have like a, a unified plane of divinity or something with like the like tying the different races' beliefs together or things like that, like w- like maybe where their divine the divine power of each of the races like different. <laughs> things come from you know not like not necessarily be human centric because i mean obviously i love the human centric stuff but underworld and fissure of woe are 100 percent human like human areas and i think there's a lot of people that are kind of tired of human and silvari being the forefront of everything mm-hmm. um so you know if you were gonna i mean i i loved i love the idea of of uh, these far off realms and things because they sort of just give them carte blanche to come up with really cool stuff because they don't have to be part of you know core tyria yeah exactly um but so i guess i would just say to embrace that and go even farther you know if if they were going to do that type of route i mean just as an example in the norn personal story there's the whole idea of the like spirits coming from their own plane and it's very possible that the norn like animal spirits have essentially their own underworld quote quote right and that would be really interesting to see because that would be a really good way to tie in the different cultures in a way where they kind of merge together and they have a similarity And they could probably find a way to, like, visualize the Eternal Alchemy as a place or thing. Yeah. Char have no gods, so, I mean... But but it could have, like, it could have stuff like the Destroyers and stuff like that that they used to worship. Or, like, ties in that way. The Titans, yeah. The Titans, yeah. I would just be happy to see Norn lore that's not her der they fight things and drink alcohol, her der party party Norn. Like that's the extent I mean you'd of like Norn to see that, right but it, it doesn't exist for a reason, spirit. Fine. It, it, it actually does exist. It's just it's not really touched on. And it's, no, it's kind cause... of frustrating because like looking at it at a big picture perspective, Norn probably have the richest culture. And yes, I just said that. <laughs> it's just we're not the not currently the favorite children of arena net we're not your flower children yeah. also it's not relics anyway. of or it's relics of norn just so you slowly know slowly becoming that yeah slowly becoming no you're, it's what you said before spirit it's we really need to see some guild wars 2 based lore and something that's solid and that stays you know center flow and keeps going and it can be concrete but yep I'm still going to stick with what I tinfoil had it a long time ago, which was that the 10-year plan for Guild Wars is already done, and that every couple years we're going to get an expansion that focuses on a different race. So, Silvari, you were first. So, you know, Norn are next, clearly. No, Char are next. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> on a semi-related note to... Um, actually, I should have brought this up about Reflex earlier, but we got a mail from Ryan, who was... Uh, responding to the concerns we had last week about the the movement changes to skills, and he says, "All right, so we're we're concerned that movement enhancing skills aren't working as advertised. Is there any concern that in um, upcoming PV- PVE situations, projectile reflection won't work as advertised, but will basically end up being opportunities for boot stealing? So, kind of now how we have this." Uh, 
split between projectiles that are actually reflected by projectile reflex and the ones that aren't necessarily. Do you think that specialization changes and the upcoming content will continue to embrace that? Or how do you think projectile reflex will continue or like evolve as a mechanic of the game? I think going forward, they are going to balance things around being reflectable. I sure hope so. Because I've noticed that in Heart of Thorns mobs or whatever, the things that tend to shoot a lot of projectiles, i.e. the quill bag, are also incredibly defensive. Um, And they don't do it very consistently. Or they have one big projectile and that's it. So it's just a matter of getting that one timing right. I.e. the dragon. So, yeah. I I actually think that projectile reflex moving forward are going to be a little bit more consistent. And the issues with it in the past, i.e. fractals, jungle worm, all that whatnot, are going to be issues of the past. It's or just, rather, at least they they may not update those, and they will still be a solution for that, but going forward, like... Yeah, that's what I mean by issues of the past. Yeah, yeah. They're still going to be around, but it's going to be because they're older content, quote-unquote. Yeah, deprecated. I could be completely wrong, though. Yeah. And moving no, forward, I... <laughs> all projectiles, like, if it's a big projectile, nope, can't reflect it, deal with it. Hope nah, you have from what I from what I've seen in... Uh, Living Story Season 2 and um, the the beta that I was in, it seems like in the event that it looks like a projectile, it probably is, but projectiles actually happen a lot more sparingly. That's just what I've noticed so far. And it's, it, you know, we can't say from a, a, a single beta and the Living Story content, but it looks good so far. Oh. Although Reflex are still pretty huge on some of the Silver Waste bosses. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, one of those Silver Waste bosses is designed with Reflex in mind, so... Yeah, no, they... The mob design in general, recently, has been much more... Conducive to interesting um, play. Yeah, or just, they have a much better idea of the tools that they're working with now and can design for it. And that's, it's been obvious in map design for a long time and it just keeps getting better. And now it's also starting to come along in mob design. And hopefully the logical extension of that is it comes along in really challenging group content, uh, trademark and dungeons eventually. Cause I would love to see like quote raids where one of the roles of the raid is like, Hey, you're the reflector. Have fun. Well, that's all. I mean, in in a sense, that's already a thing in in triple trouble runs where you've got mm-hmm. your your zerg who's doing the like the main mechanic of the fight, um, picking up barrels or running colors or whatever they do, um, and then embedded in each team, there's another reflect team or two, depending on how you manage your reflects um, when you're leading that, and a condi team. And they each have jobs within the Great Reserve. So, I mean, that in itself already looks good for future content design. That's all I've got. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. I I find I find some of the discussions about things like having a role around reflecting to be somewhat frustrating because, like, I don't know. Part of part of the theoretical goal is that it 
ultimately shouldn't matter what your which professions you bring, but that's just not true. And if you design roles that are based around mechanics that only one or two professions can use, like that would be fine if every profession had one, but they don't. And I in find that kind of frustrating. Me too. I think you're right in regards to um I'm trying to think how to phrase this, because in, in regards to most encounters, there are only two viable options for Reflex, which is Guardians and Mesmers. Um, but a lot more professions have access to it. And actually, for the Reflect teams in uh, TTS, which is the guild that I've done Triple Trouble the most with, um, they ask for everyone except necros and warriors I think and warriors can even do it and they they'll take everyone through and train them how to do it so nearly every profession can do it and it works like I've seen all all of the professions do it except for the two that they they didn't let come and I don't remember which ones they were but I know warrior can reflect so maybe that's changed and there's also an idea of like in a small group like small small smaller group Yes, having defined roles like that can be an issue because it requires professions that it, it's it's limiting, basically. But when you start getting into bigger groups, as long as there are multiple roles that each profession can fill within that group, I think that that just allows for more structure and makes the ability to create more exciting and engaging fights a lot easier and better, generally. Yeah, that's true. It definitely the the size of the party definitely is a big important factor f- for that as you said. Like if you need a reflector or two and you only have 5 people, like that's a problem. But Right. But if you have 8 or 10 people, needing one reflector is in nearly as big as a deal. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Large group content. <laughs> yeah. Can it please uh, uh, and then was there anything else? Uh, or is it time for CastCast? I think it's time for CastCast, but my voice is going. I'm sad. Um, but I guess we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> As nobody speaks up. Yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to CastCast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and stuff, cast of other cast podcasts this week on CastCast, um, now with um, 25% less pod. Um, Josh Foreman is doing YouTube giveaway, and I actually know no details about this, so I should have read this beforehand, because Eric put this in the show notes, and I was not prepared. He is giving away some wonderful little Zella slash inspired statuettes, statues. They're adorable. I love him. I was subscribed to his channel before the giveaway, but I still like unsubscribed and resubscribed just in case because yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, dude is looking buff. What is your workout <laughs> regimen? Because I just want to know. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and then, well, a uh, musician something something or other. Did anybody pay attention to what Eric wrote? <laughs> Is that, is that musician, <laughs> Musicians Guild that one of Tyria? Was me. I just forgot to change the information on that. Uh, last week we had talked about how um, there were some really good uh, Musicians Guilds and musical compositions coming out. And 
the week after they had posted on Reddit that they are available for bookings for guild events, whatever, and they have contact info that they included on Reddit, which I have now put into the show notes for you because I like you guys. Um, they Musicians Guild of Tyria specifically is on NA servers, but C Major is based on EU, and they do similar things. So if you're looking for someone on European servers, you can look for them. My voice is completely gone now, so I'm, bye. <laughs> on a side note, Musicians Guild of Tyria, I probably will need you for a wedding. So expect a booking from me soon. Nice. Um, on a completely unrelated side note, literally, um, I did want to call to attention that literally the day after we published our podcast and we're talking about the pre-purchase things and kerfluffle and all of that, um, I thought they, they came out with a response and I thought it was extremely excellent and well thought out and very... I mean, pretty much addressed most reasonable people's complaints, in my opinion. Perhaps not all, but... And, and you know, I mean, obviously it still doesn't address the issue with not knowing the release date or the full amount of content, but that's there's there's no single statement that's going to fix those things. But, you know, I think that their explanation that you would only ever have to buy the newest campaign and then all previous ones would come with it was a really... Um, interesting idea and i like that they explained their thinking behind that and i also thought it was a really nice token to offer free character slots to people that pre-purchased that had accounts already uh which means that those of us who are getting the digital or the deluxe or legendary editions or whatever are going to have more character slots than we know what to do with but that's totally not a problem you can never have too many character slots. I was going to say, I can always use another mule. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, awesome. Great, great response. I was really happy to read that, and I thought it was just really funny that that came out <laughs> the day that we published our, our podcast talking about it. But um, I mean, you said earlier that there's no one statement that could fix the issues with, like, a release date or not knowing the content when in fact there is a statement they could make and that would be the release date is blank <laughs> well they could tell you the release date but they wouldn't be able to really in one statement tell you all of the stuff that's gonna be you know there's one of those is a much larger amount of information than the other <laughs> yeah they could tell us the release date but i don't even know if they know that I, so I, they probably don't <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> I have one more thing. Sorry, before you wrap up the You're show. You're a liar. I know, You said but you I, were gone. But there's something really exciting. Yeah, get at it. Uh, ArenaNet uh, released some more APIs, which allow viewing of characters' equipment, inventories, and banks. So people have been making some really cool things with this. They just came out this week, so people are... Uh, some things are out, some things are still in development. But essentially, what is now possible is, like... Uh, wow armory type stuff where you can view a character and what all they've got and stuff like that my voice is now extra dead goodbye again so watch out for the uh iphone apps and things that will uh you know steal your account information oh yeah that's the yeah that, that is a thing that is a thing that's bad uh but that is really cool i love those kinds of api additions those are those are really cool those are always really cool features to be able to write apps that can do that so Coming uh, soon, Gear Score. Uh, <laughs> uh, and with that, 
Uh, I bid you good week. We'll be back next week. So I've got one more thing. Everyone, go visit Herotron. He's over by the uh, Order of Whispers headquarters, and he will give you 5,000 karma. Alrighty. <laughs> His eating paper for karma is amazing. It's true. It is true. Alright, and as I said, that is all. So, see you guys next week. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. <laughs>